All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Can you see it? Did you notice? Checked, but the puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! A moment's notice. It arms You're listening to Canucks Conversation. Quinn Hughes, beat reporter here. Like, I, don't, I won't cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. A member of the Nation Network podcast and delivered by DoorDash. Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I wanted them in and down. Wow. We should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. What Pearl steals, cutting in, shoots, scores! Don't waste all the good stuff on the off air. Let's go. Hello Canucks fans and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation brought to you as always by the great folks over at Zephyr Epic. You can use promo code Hockey Season capital H capital S all one word hockey season that will get you $5 off your order at ZephyrEpic.com that is Z-E-P-H-Y-R Epic. Check them out on all platforms Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, whatever platform you choose to use they've got you covered for all of your trading card needs so be sure to go check out the fine folks over at Zephyr Epic. No yelling uh, either. Like I said, 
No yelling. Don't yell at the cashier. Mm-hmm. Promo code hockey season also works in stores, what we're alluding to, but don't yell it. Don't yell it at anybody. Hockey season is the promo code over at Zephyr Epic. But if you choose to shop online, be sure to use that promo code and enjoy free shipping on any order Canada-wide over $50. My name is Dave Guadrelli. I'm joined, as always, by the man who built the place, Chris Faber. And I've been kicked out of our studio. I, I'm at home, if people can't tell. I know the people on the YouTube can tell. I've been kicked out of our studio. I was told not to come into work today, which is not what you want to hear. But uh, we've got a very special guest. I hate to say it because he's sitting in my chair and I didn't really have much of a say in it. Uh, Mr. Frank Saravalli of Daily Faceoff is joining us on this episode of Canucks Conversation. Frank, how are you doing? I'm good. It would have been a little tight with you here, I think, in Faberville. <laughs> it's not yes, the it it's not the biggest studio in here, but it gets the job done. And I think I think the way that this show is broadcasted makes it feel like it's a pretty big studio. Like you I, would think, watching at home as I join you guys once a week during the season this year on Wednesdays. Shameless plug. You betcha. Uh, that it it would be a tad larger in here. <laughs> no, it's like a... we got two two bigger guys here. So no, it's gonna but, get hot. Like, we would have squished you. Yeah, what is it? it's going to get very hot in here. Let's uh, and Frank's in here. The other thing you're missing out on here, quads, is we have an awesome pack to open from our friends at Zephyr Epic. This is the 2021-22 hockey credentials and quads. You know we do these boxes that you know they come with like 24 packs in the box, and it's all you get a bunch of pretty decent cards for like 120 bucks normally for a box or so. This is a hundred and sixty nine dollar box, six nice. packs in there. So we're talking like thirty dollars a pack here just to kind of pull. Uh, I'll I'll go first here, and then I'll talk my way through Frank Poland. So we're looking for autographs, we're looking for jersey cards, all that fun stuff. Uh, and most importantly, we're looking for some Canucks so we can give some away to the kids, of course. So I got a David Pasternak, Evgeny Kuznetsov, a ticket access of Seth Jarvis. Very cool looking card. These ones are great. These are these are good cards. A rookie of William Eklund, a Kale McCarr, and a Nathan McKinnon. No autograph for me, so that means Frank pretty much has to pull an autograph card here. And I know, Frank, you got some experience with the kids getting into Pokemon cards quite a bit, and they got a ton of those over on Zephyr Epic as well. I know you noticed all the Pikachus I got uh, in the office here when you came in. Yeah, you big Pokemon guy. Let's see. We got uh, Erasmus Darlene, a Mitch Marner, a Shane Pinto rookie card. There we go. That's not bad. Unsigned. Okay. No, no, he's unsigned. Oh, okay. I was going to say, like, it was a signed card. Get what going. is this? A credential star night, third star, Chris Kreider. I don't know if it means anything. Hey, that looks pretty fun. And, oh, we got a we got a PD. Hey. Look at that. That's what I'm talking there you about go. right there. Elias Patterson, nice to see it. Uh, that is excellent news, of course. And the Tyler Toffoli to wrap it up. And for those who don't know, if you have kids and you're listening to the show right now, Send us a message. We will drive these cards out to you. Give them to the kids. Quads, I know we did that in Victoria a little bit as well. We had, uh, was it three kids? We gave three full boxes of cards. Yes. And shout out to all the fans in Victoria that came up and said hello to us. And, you know, listeners of the show saying they were from the island and they were there and they were excited to meet us. That was really cool. So shout out to everybody. And yes, of course, we gave uh, gave some cards away, which we're going to continue to do all throughout the season. There you go, Petey. So Love it. Going to a new home. Excellent. Uh, I did want to bring up something. We're going to talk about Victoria a little bit later in the show. We got Frank here, so we're going to do a full season kind of, not necessarily preview, but just get Frank's opinions on the Vancouver Canucks and where they're at. But we're going to talk karaoke a little bit later. Mm. And Frank, I had to ask you. Are you a karaoke guy? Big time. Okay. Big time. Uh, I'll sing anything by Creed. I'll sing Hero by Enrique Iglesias is like my creme to the creme. That's my number one song. What's your go-to? You wouldn't catch me doing that. 
Nothing. Not once? No, I wouldn't do it. Oh, man. I So I remember in Montreal, we had the PHWA karaoke mm-hmm. night. John Liu in a suit, uh, sh- the short it, suit. He's a performer. He was very good. Yeah, he's one he's of the better ones I've seen in the media. Uh, Brennan Batchelor, play-by-play voice here for us uh, for Sportsnet 650 there. He's got. He's more of like the punk rock band. He's got that little... I think he did Teenage Dirtbag. And he did, okay, that's a good one. Teenage yeah. and Batch nailed it. You don't have a song at all? You're not You're not the guy to get up there, no matter how many drinks? Nope. Okay. Just uh, It's stage fright. I don't know what why that is. <laughs> Someone that's been on national TV, you know, done a lot of different stuff on camera, that's not my thing. Okay, fair enough. Quads, you, do you want to tell Frank your uh, go-to song, your Vanilla Ice track? You did a little bit of, uh, you did perform this on the Patreon, I think, as well. I did. I, I did it as our intro song. Uh, Ice Ice Baby is my go-to song. But if Frank doesn't sing, there goes the next 20 minutes we had planned for yeah, the I show. Know. I'll just scrap the whole outline. I, I pranked Frank a little bit and sent him a fake outline. Yeah. We're actually going to It's good to be here, guys. I'm <laughs> out. <laughs> uh, but hey, we got Frank here. Let's dive into some of the Vancouver Canucks topics. And like I said, we're going to circle back because uh, 10 nothing loss in the preseason to the, to the Calgary Flames last night. A very AHL roster. We'll dive into that a ton. But I think with Frank here giving kind of a league-wide view on the Vancouver Canucks, I think we just want to dive into what your overall feeling is because we talk about it every single day here. We spend a lot of time throughout the offseason discussing. I think everybody's kind of in an agreement here of it feels like what we're going to see from the Vancouver Canucks is they're hoping for a chance to just be in a wild card position. Is that the outside view of the Vancouver Canucks as well? Well, that's the hope, but here's the thing. My prediction is I think they get there. Hmm. And I think this division is incredibly difficult. I think you've got... A few authentic Stanley Cup contenders in it. I also think the Central Division creates an opening for the Pacific to grab all five remaining spots. And I really like the way this Vancouver offseason unfolded for a number of reasons. One, I liked that the drama and the hysteria that sort of surrounded this team, the soap opera stuff, uh, seemed to go away. Two, I'm banking on a healthy Thatcher Demko playing like he did down the stretch. And three, I really like how they revamped this defense cord. There's not, you know, a super sexy addition. There's no headliner, no $9 million guy that you've added to your roster, no Eric Carlson. But I don't think they needed that. I think they needed proper support from one through six. And I think Susie and I think... Uh, Ian Cole are going to be really big additions to this team. And you take all of that and you mix that up with what should be a lot better compete. 10 nothing preseason loss, notwithstanding, from Rick Tockett on the bench. And I think you've got all the makings for a team to make a pretty significant improvement. I think what a lot Compelling of... Compelling or not? Yeah, and, and I agree with... I mean, there's a lot of our very positive fans who are looking at it of like, okay, the the steps that you're going to see from the stars is also going to be the big difference. But ultimately, I think you nailed it. It's the coaching staff and how they're going to change this team because we saw the point totals last year for Elias Patterson and Quinn Hughes doesn't mean anything. Like, what what was the biggest lacking thing that you saw from the Canucks? You mentioned structure, kind of just new coaching staff coming in. We're pretty excited to see what this coaching staff is going to do with this squad specifically what they have on the back end. Goaltending, you meant like Thatcher Demko coming back healthy. What would be the thing that would maybe keep this team from being able to get to that spot? Because you sound pretty confident, Frank. I'm not going to lie. What would keep them from it? Uh, Lack of consistency, a poor start, um, injury. I mean, Hmm. those are all 
really things that add up over time. Uh, any one of those things could sink your season. And I just, I think what held this team back last year was defense. I thought the, what they were asking of some guys, especially some of the younger guys that didn't have a ton of experience, um, they were asking for players to play over their heads, hmm. and I don't think that exists anymore. Okay, I got a question for you, Frank. Where in the Pacific does this team rank? Because we just saw them lose ten nothing to the Calgary Flames, so everybody's wondering, like, wh- where do you have the? How do you have the Pacific kind of playing out? Because you just said you think all five teams are going to get in, but does that mean the Canucks are in the fifth spot? Yeah, I, I think what you're looking at is one of the wild card positions. Um, I think, by the way, like I don't put any stock at all in the preseason, mm. and especially that ten nothing. <laughs> like, look at the lineup that that the Canucks iced. Like, they didn't, they weren't, they weren't bringing the goods. And I do think, from a pride and competitive standpoint, you should probably try and knuckle down a little bit more to make sure it doesn't get out of hand like that. And that's surely something that they're talking about today: is that preseason, whether it matters or not. You, you need to put in an effort. Um, but when it comes to sizing up the whole Pacific, I, I've got it in my head something like this. Um, Edmonton, Vegas, then LA, followed by the Flames, Canucks, and Kraken. If I were to ask you about the four teams you have above the Canucks, which one are you least confident? Is it the Kraken just right ahead of the Vancouver Canucks, or which one would you be least confident about? So I had the, the Kraken playoffs? out. Mm, okay. When I Kraken are out of the playoffs in Frank's ranking, which mm-hmm. is what I was going to respond to, and I, I think that's very interesting. You have the, Explain that. The Kraken below the Canucks. Explain that. I, I just think when you look at the year Seattle had last year, it, I don't want to say it was an anomaly or a fluke. Um but they had so many guys have career years that I'm, I really have, it feels like it was lightning in the bot in a bottle that it was so many guys shoot, you know, shooting percentages were crazy high. You know, they got production out of players that you were not, can Daniel Sprong go and have the same season again this year? Maybe. I mean, but probably pretty unlikely. Um, I also think their goaltending was atrocious and it's not, getting any better i don't think so that coupled with some regression from some other players could could the kraken be one of those wild card teams could you flip-flop any one of the flames uh canucks or kraken in that in that ranking of course you could um i could see that happening where the kraken are four and the flames are six but i i've got the canucks right there with those teams Jim Rutherford gave the quote, and I think everybody in the market agreed with it, that the Canucks have a playoff team if everything goes right. And Aaron, can we hear it? Just can we can we pull up the clip? Um where Rutherford song. said they have a playoff team if everything goes right. It's actually just an instrumental for Frank. <laughs> you know, every season you have to you have to judge the management and the coaches and you know that's that's what we do in sports. Okay. Um, I think to be very to the point, the changes that we made, we have a playoff team if everything goes right. Okay, your goalie has to be good. Your specialty teams have to be good. You can't get into a lot of injuries. Okay? No, I'm not saying if one of those things go wrong, we can't still make it. 
because we have some impact players that can win games by themselves, okay? But we want to get to a point that we, that we have enough in our lineup that you can have a few things go wrong on a regular basis and overcome that. But to be frank with you, that, that's my opinion. It may not be these guys' opinion, but that's, that's how I feel about the team we have right now. So it seemed like everybody in the market agreed with that statement. So I'm not going to ask you if you agree with that, because I'm assuming to some level you do. But my question to you is instead, when we look at teams like the Flames and the Kraken, are they also in that conversation of being where, hey, if everything goes right, we can be a playoff team? Like, I guess my question is, do the Canucks just need things to go more right for them than they do for those teams? I think that's a really fair way to put it because I just mentioned the idea of flip-flopping them in the standings. If Jacob Markstrom comes out and has another 892 season, I'm sorry, I don't care. The Flames aren't making it. Um, I don't care how well Jonathan Huberto plays or how many goals he scores or you know Mackenzie Weger, how well he plays in the back end. It's not going to matter. Um, there are fatal flaws, I think, to all these teams. And, and let's be real, um, when you look at the Canucks from the last few seasons, more or less everything that could go wrong has, right? The poor starts, you know, they essentially tanked their season a couple times before you even got to U.S. Thanksgiving. Um, you had last year that coincided with a really tough run for Thatcher Demko to start and then a few months on the shelf. So, like, those things really take its toll. And I think the estimation and expectation setting from Jim Rutherford was really fair. Um, he's acknowledging that this team isn't perfect, that they do have flaws. But there's also an acknowledgement there that there are some really good pieces on this team, in this lineup, that can be game breakers. Pedersen, Hughes, Demko. And it's the same sort of triumvirate the same sort of core that you know we've been talking about the last few years that i think can really do something and when you consider like here here's really maybe the better way to frame your question i think from the total you know sort of thirty thousand foot view of like let's look five years down the line if you had to pick a team in its current state with its players at the ages that they are, with the contractual situations with the way that they are, which which team would you pick? For me, I I, I think I, I there's a lot to say about the Kraken and their cap space sure. and some of the prospects that they have coming, but I'm not certain that I'm picking any of those teams ahead of the Canucks. Yeah, I think you, you look at the core and you feel very good about the core. And I think the conversation when Jim Benning was the general manager was how can you not surround this core with much better players? Feels like there's a little bit of a different look. Pew Suter is obviously an example. Even Teddy Bluger kind of as your fourth-line center. Got to improve round the penalty the kill. Yeah. And, exactly. And Ian Cole's been talked about throughout training camp as a guy who is going to lead on the ice, but off the ice and during practice, he's a guy who's a veteran player, penalty kill specialist. He's the kind of guy that can help in that way. I'm curious with this core, and specifically we're talking, you know, JT Miller now part of it, Elias Pettersson, Brock Besser kind of in the background of the core after he was kind of one of the top guys a couple of years ago, but Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes are the big ones there with Thatcher Demko. The question that I think a lot of Canucks fans are having with this team is, 
well, is this the last year that this core is going to really get an opportunity? Like, is this the final go where the new management group has had a year and a half to put in what they expect, bring in the coaching staff that they want? Do you think this could be the last year of the core if things, you know, don't go perfectly and they make the playoffs? I don't think it needs to go perfectly, but I would say that the leash is definitely shorter because no matter what I think, and and people have asked this sort of question of like, well, what happens with Pedersen and this you know, important RFA year that's coming up. How does that all work itself out? I don't see him going anywhere. I don't see uh, the Canucks allowing a talent like that, a really core piece to get away. And I think maybe you begin to reinvent if it, if let's say this all goes to hell and, and, and the Canucks have an awful season and it's not just that they're missing the playoffs, but they're clearly a ways away from the playoffs that's when I think you have to dismantle the pieces around those players. Mm. The unfortunate part for the Canucks might be that it might be a year too late with someone like JT Miller, for instance, to, to really begin to, to disassemble things and, and try and do something different. That's where it starts to get tricky. But the actual, like when I say core, I'm thinking like Adams nucleus, like we're talking Pedersen, Hughes, Demko, Mm -hmm. et cetera. Yeah, because when you have and it's one, not beyond that, like it's it's what's the core makeup of your team, right? And now with JT Miller's new contract kicking in, it's almost like his contract kind of makes him a part of the core for the next seven seasons. I I think with Pedersen, a lot of worry from Canucks fans are okay. Maybe I I'd probably frame my last question a little bit wrong about things going perfectly, but for Pedersen, if things go poorly, and I'm talking like off ice distractions, not necessarily like oh, they don't win a round of the playoffs and get to the second round and give him that opportunity and look like the winning is coming down the road. Do you think that this organization just needs to kind of buckle down here to keep Pedersen here? Like, would that be enough to, to make Pedersen want to stay here? Like what, I guess, what would be the thing that you think might drive Pedersen to want to go elsewhere in a similar way to Matthew Kachuk has in the past? It would have to really blow up, and it would have to be mm. dramatic, and it would have to be... Like, I take him at his word when he says that he wants to be a Canuck. Mm-hmm. I believe that. I, I don't think he's looking to go anywhere. I've never really gotten that sense. I think the true reason why he isn't signed right now, it's not because he doesn't or is unsure and needs to needs the Canucks to prove something. It's because they probably just haven't shown him the right deal. Mm. He thinks he's, you know expanding on a 102-point season and bursting into the 110, 115-point range or whatever that might be that makes him in the top 10 elite scorers year after year after year. And kind of the crazy part about the way his career's unfolded is even though he had 102 points last year, I feel like he's just starting to scratch the surface. And so you take what he has and you basically he's betting on himself. Right. It, let's say he slides back to 85 points this season. Still a pretty decent year by most standards, and it's all part of its team dependence, so I don't want to take that out of a vacuum. But let's say that happens. The same deal I think that the Canucks are currently offering is probably still on the table for him. But if he goes out and either duplicates or or improves on the season he had last year, you're talking about a different stratosphere in terms of contract, I think. And that's that's sort of how I think it's it's being viewed. So as an observer, do you need to see him go out and do it again before you agree with Andre Kuzmenko that he's the best centerman in the league, Frank? Like, do you need to see it again? Like, where, where does Pedersen rank in terms of top centers in the NHL for you right now? I personally don't 
think he has anything to prove to me. Uh, like if it, if it were me and I'm, and I'm not running the team, but if I were, I would have pressed real hard to make sure I got to a number this year that he was comfortable with that got him signed so that we can avoid the conversation. Um, and it's not for a drama reason or anything like that. It's just that I think this deal can only end up costing you more if you're the Canucks and not probably less. How much of it do you think is, and we talked about Pedersen kind of just betting on himself. Like, does he get into that conversation of being one of the highest paid players in the league if he is basically just kind of not even necessarily like blows up from what he did last year, but I'm talking like 105 points, 115 points. He's getting Selkie votes again. Like, this guy could be one of the highest paid players in the NHL, and that's kind of what it sounds like he's betting on himself with. Yeah, I see him, you know, sort of springboarding himself into that 11, 11 and a half million dollar a year range, which is, I don't know what, how many players would be ahead of him. Right. Eight, six. One guy I wanted to ask about, and it's going to be an interesting scenario to play out for the Vancouver Canucks because Tyler Myers, a lot of people are thinking, well, as soon as the bonus is coming out, he's gone. He's going to the Coyotes, whatever pick they have to attach to him. It's a cap, cap dump at that point. How, how different is a Tyler Myers trade from preseason to at the deadline? Like, what are we talking about value-wise in a shift from having to attach to give up on that contract to a team maybe thinking, hey, six foot eight right shot defenseman at the trade deadline? There's some value there. Like, how different are we talking from preseason to really the trade deadline with Tyler, Mauer, Tyler Myers and a trade potential there? Yeah, I don't think the Canucks were ever really intent on even exploring the idea of trading Myers and and attaching assets to him. Mm. Their mission and mandate has been to compete. Uh, they want to be a playoff team. They feel like Tyler Myers filling out their, their, you know, their back end at somewhere slotted into that one to six makes them a better team than asking someone else to play over their heads again. Mm. And what is the value? Well, just tell me what kind of season the Canucks have. I mean, where are they in the standings? Are they a, if they're a playoff team? He's they're probably just keeping him, and he and he walks at the end of the year. Or if they're close, if they're in the mix, he's going to be here. Mm. I think. Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't know why there there just has been this since the day he got here. Almost, it's been like, <laughs> when are we trading Tyler Myers? And it's got to be wearing on him at a certain point. But I, I don't think he wants to go anywhere. I think he's been pretty clear about that. And I think they could use him. I agree with you. And that's kind of the take that I've been having all offseason. Favor and I have discussed it before. Uh, before we wrap up with you here, Frank, what did you think of the uh, Tanner Pearson situation? How it kind of all unfolded? Obviously, Canucks get Casey DeSmith, give up a third-round pick, and Tanner Pearson to the Montreal Canadiens. What did you make of all that? I thought it kind of worked out perfectly for the Canucks. They fill a void that they wanted to. I don't think Spencer Martin was really in their plans um, to be the backup this year. There's obviously lots of familiarity with the Smith. And you saw with Demko last year how when he was hurt, you really need to rely on that next guy. So they wanted someone that they had a lot of trust in. Uh, and so that's one. And then the Pearson side of it, like, it was it was abundantly clear that the way this all went down was really awkward. Um, and I think getting to a spot where you didn't have to talk about it and didn't have to wave him at the end of camp, which really seemed like it was a likely possibility that you not only cleaned up your cap situation 
and got a guy in net that you feel like you trust. But you also moved on from the sort of side, I don't want to call it a sideshow because it wasn't that bad, but that kind of headache, you've taken yep. that out of the mix now that I think you can just kind of focus on everything else. But it was really interesting to hear the Canucks say that they still would like to move a contract or two to get to a better place. It is interesting, and, and DeSmith coming with the 1.8 cap hit, you know, something that is going to be kind of a boost to the goaltending. You mentioned Spencer Brown. I don't think there was a ton of confidence there. Archer Seelovs, what he did in the summer was incredible at the Worlds, but still a young kid who's only had one full season in the AHL. So, that, And then they want, they want him to play, too. Yes, exactly. And then this new uh, Tolpilo kid they're really liking as well. Final one uh, before we get you out of here, Frank. Uh, Quinn Hughes named the captain last week. What do you think about the decision there with Pedersen? No contract, but I think... You know, I don't dealing think Pedersen was the guy. No, I think dealing with them every day here down in the media, you could tell Quinn Hughes made the most sense from a Vancouver perspective, from a league-wide. Is that was the same look, I guess, with Hughes there? Yeah, and I think, look, there seemed to be some sort of indication of like, oh, well, I, I heard people talking about this because they, did, they didn't go with Pedersen because he doesn't have a contract. Hmm. I, don't, I don't think that's the case. I don't think he was ever really the right guy. And not to say that he can't be a leader. Of course he can. He just, I don't, I, I don't know him, and I, I'm not, you know, pretending that I do. But the sense that I get from talking to people around the league that do know him is he's definitely more of a laid back, you know, out out of the spotlight type of guy, and and that's perfectly fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, in this case, Quinn Hughes doesn't mind it. He handles it well, and more than that, he's a star player in this league, a top ten defenseman that. I think the best part about it from a Canucks perspective is you've seen this maturation in Quinn Hughes on the ice. You've started to see it off the ice. He can really grow into this role. Is he, you know, fully prepared to walk into the to the door tomorrow and and be an NHL captain and handle everything perfectly? No, I think the answer is no. Mm. But with the right people around him, the right support group, Rick Tockett showing him the way, I think he can get there and I think it's an excellent, you know, sort of opportunity for him and for the team to to really kind of grow around him at the same time as they all kind of grow up together. And something that we touched on a little bit, I'm going to sneak one more question in here because I, I do want to get your opinion on this because you talk to a lot of players, you talk to a lot of coaches, agents, everybody. You're talking to everyone, Frank. The Canucks coaching staff of Rick Tockett, Mike Yo, Adam Foote, Sergey Gonchar, Daniel and Henrik Sardine being involved. I'm curious, like, what... Do you, do you ever talk to players about, like, a perspective from their view when they have a coaching staff that's full of, like, I mean, we're talking stars here throughout this coaching staff. It feels like it's, you know, I, I know Rick Tockett's joked about it, of, like, they could take any other coaching staff in a game. Like, if they were to, you know, yeah. put on the skates and suit up, they could take any other coaching staff. Does that mean much? Like, is there much of a difference from just, like, a standard coach to a player that really had, like, these guys all had solid NHL careers? I'd say... For me, it's more personality-based. Hmm. And when you look at Rick Tockett and, and all of his experience, the diversity of his game as a player, then his track record behind an NHL bench and sort of being the the Phil Kessel whisperer, um, these guys, you know, you, you, you look at Sergei Gonchar and the work that he had done with the Penguins defensemen, especially their young guys, and, and Adam Foote has kids that – play in the NHL like there's there's not just the resume as star players or impactful players that's important to me it's more personality driven and relatability Mike Yo has a ton of that so all of these guys have a vast 
level of experience and knowledge from around the league, but it's also the diversity of their background and opinion that I think really helps set them apart. That puts them, I think in an enviable position that Rick Tockett has gotten people that he really knows and trusts. And that's, it's not just the coaching staff. Like they, they also, if I'm not mistaken, made some changes to their, their medical staff and things Mm -hmm. like that, that um, they want to try and improve things. And they didn't stop at, Hey, we're just, making a coaching change. Yeah, well, we know we're excited to see, you know, especially the Canucks defenseman, have Sergey Gonchar, Adam Foote. It feels like you got the offensive guy, the defensive guy. Like, it feels like a very good uh, staff heading into the season. Frank, we're excited to head into the season with you. Every Wednesday here, uh, one fifteen, I believe, is when you'll be joining us. Every Wednesday here on the Canucks Conversation. And, hey, by the way, I don't think we touched on it yet. We're back to five shows a week, starting today. Five shows a week uh, with the Nation Network, of course. We're very excited. And, Frank, every Wednesday, I'll let you out. Quads, why don't you uh, take us with our quick Betway? You can skip to the end here. You're not the Betway guy normally. I know you, you know, I normally <laughs> carry the Betway segments. But uh, we'll let you get this. I'm going to run Frank out, and I'll be back in one minute here. Uh, but, Frank, thanks for joining us. It's great to be with you guys. Great to be uh, in van and – Wad, sorry to miss you in person, but uh, it was real special being here in Faberville. <laughs> it's good it's stuff. Okay. I'm glad you got to sit in my chair, Frank. Couldn't have done it better. So great, uh, great It'll job. It'll still be Thanks warm by the time you get back that. tomorrow. <laughs> All right, cut my video, uh, Aaron. I don't want people to see that I'm wearing shorts underneath this beautiful top here. Because <laughs> it's video and his audio. Aaron, I'm going to bring you in as well because um, I, I don't like talking alone. But uh, let's, let's get to the Betway bet of the day because it is on the topic of the Pacific Division. And Aaron, obviously, I know you're an Oilers fan based in Edmonton. And I think it kind of goes without saying that they're going to be in that conversation for first in the Pacific Division. As Frank said, and kind of what I alluded to earlier when I was talking about Rutherford's quotes, it feels like the Canucks, Kraken, and Flames are all in that position where if everything goes right, we're a playoff team. Now, I, I know the Oilers are in a different conversation, but like, what do you make of the rest of the Pacific Division? I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There we go. There you go. There we go. I, uh, I hate to say that I do agree. I do think that some of these other teams, and now I might, I might be, be becoming biased because I'm talking about the Canucks all day, every day. But I do think that you guys have something there. It starts bullpen. You have Stud Sermon. You've got some good wingers. I like Andre Kuzmenko. I do think that the Canucks could get in as a wild card team. Now, anything higher than that, I wouldn't hold your breath. I think it goes Oilers, Vegas, Kings, Canucks. What about you? All right. No, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, and I'll, I'll pull up the Betway uh, bet if you can. But the thing that I kind of wonder about is how how far – because I think, I think the gap between the Oilers and Golden Knights is razor thin. Then I think the gap between those two teams and the LA Kings, who we're both kind of penciling in in that third spot, 
I think the gap is pretty sizable. And I would argue that the gap between the Kings and those other teams that I mentioned, the, the Flames, uh, Flames, Kraken, Canucks, I think that gap is a lot closer than a lot of people are kind of giving them credit for. So uh, we have the odds right here. The outright winner of the Pacific Division, plus 200 odds, is the Edmonton Oilers, plus 225 for the Vegas Golden Knights. So like I said, razor thin, plus 400 for the LA Kings, plus 700 for the Calgary Flames, plus 900 for the Seattle Kraken, and plus 1,400 for the Vancouver Canucks, who have the worst odds of any team not named San Jose or Anaheim to win the Pacific Division. Uh, That is courtesy of our friends over at Betway. Go check them out. Betway, Betway, Betway. If you choose to play, please play responsibly. Doing the Betway segment a little earlier here. The MLB playoffs are starting. We got a lot of stuff going on. But uh, does that surprise you at all to see the Canucks so low? Because it surprises me a little bit. I just give the take that I think the Kings are closer to the Flames cracking Canucks and than people are giving them credit for. And I also think the Canucks cracking and Flames are a lot closer than these odds would suggest. And Faber, you're back now. So that was kind of the conversation Aaron and I had while you were gone was that I thought the LA Kings maybe weren't as close to the Vegas Golden Knights and Oilers as everybody else seems to think. I don't know if they're a lock for that third spot. I really don't, but that's where Betway has them. What do you think? I think it surprises people that like LA was a playoff team last year, right? Like a lot of people just seem to think they were like the young team on the up and up. And when are they going to do it? They, they've been doing it a little bit, right? They've added some players that are a little bit older now and can bring a lot to the team. And I, I still feel like the Kings are like, it felt like they're, they're a strong team, but it felt, it feels like everything hasn't clicked yet. Right, it has that whole prospect pool that we talked about for years being the best in hockey for a long time. It feels like everything hasn't really taken the next step. So yeah, I think I'm not too surprised to see the Kings at plus 400. But a little bit of value there on the Canucks, eh? Ride with the Canucks, baby. Ten dollar bet that's going to return you 150 over on Betway, Betway, Betway. Uh, the good folks over there at Betway, uh, plus 1400 odds for the Canucks to win the Pacific. I don't know if I'm throwing it down on there, but. Uh, you know, you're feeling pretty good about the Oilers, I think, at plus 200. And you get a little bit of, a little bit of value on it as well. So, uh, yeah, that, uh, we had to sneak in the Betway there, so I get Frank out. Uh, so let's, uh, let's talk about a 10-0 uh, preseason game, Quads, because I know uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. I, I just want to say this off the top about uh, the preseason game. It's not a huge story, even though the score was 10-0, because of the disparity in the lineups and the rosters that we saw there. But to me, like, it's still a story to lose 10 nothing. okay? Like, this, I, I get that the rosters were very different, but these are pro players. These are guys, there were some NHLers, obviously, in the lineup for the Vancouver Canucks. 10 nothing really is a tough one to watch, and it just felt like a a moment of, like, I, I don't, and listen, if everything goes bad this Canucks season, people are going to bring this up. Be like, yeah, but it was the game one of the preseason. Why'd they send all these AHLers? It, it's not a massive story to me, but just the fact that it was 10 was like, man, that sucked. Like, that really sucked last night to get all excited to watch, you know, turn on Sportsnet, watch the first game of the year, that music off the top to watch, you know, the, the Canucks broadcast starting and all that uh, stuff, and then to see them just get their absolute asses kicked. Um, it, it was tough, and, it's, and I'm not saying it's a massive story. I'm just saying, like, it is a story to lose 10 nothing. I, I don't care what anyone says. Like, I'm not just going to brush this completely to the side. The rest of the league is laughing, and that's what the Canucks and Canucks fans want there to be less of yes. this year, is other teams and other fan bases laughing at everything the Canucks are doing. Yes, this wasn't a great start to the preseason, but let's see how Wednesday night goes. Like, Let's see how Wednesday night goes. All I'm going to say is you can't just keep putting out bad lineups and say, well, it's the lineup's fault, it's the lineup's fault. 
the thing is, Chris, is that to lose 10 nothing, and, and that's the thing is I, I want to put this in a proportion a little bit here, is that in a perspective, I should say, is that the Flames didn't dress their entire NHL lineup. And that's what I think a lot of it was made out to be was this is this is the Flames opening night roster. It's not. They drafted like or they dressed like three or four of their regular defensemen and their top line was in the game. But some of those guys like Matt Coronado was in the AHL, right? Like a lot of those guys on that team weren't these world beaters that like I think the thing that it comes down to for me, Chris, is I'm not going to rag on any one individual's performance. I'd rather look at the positives from that night. We said there was a lot to like about Atu Ratu. We'll get into that, I'm sure. Um, we're leading founders of the Matter Owen fan club. We'll get into that as well. But the one thing that I want to point out is like making excuses for players like Noah Juleson, Dakota Joshua, Oof. Sheldon Dries, these guys, and Pia Suter looked good. Let, let's get right, get, get that right. Pia Suter looked pretty good, I thought. But like these guys like Noah Juleson, Ikido Hirose, who by the way was only on for one goal. I'm not, I'm not trying to pick on any individuals. I'm just saying that you can't excuse an entire performance like that by saying, well, look at the lineup. Because, hey, those same people that are saying that are also penciling in guys like Juleson, you know, Joshua, all those guys are going to be playing against that NHL competition this year. Like when you play in the NHL, you're going to face that tough competition. And that's what's going to happen is you're going to face guys like Jonathan Huberto, right? Like that's going to happen. But the fact that it was uh, some of the bottom six players on the Flames lineup last night scoring, you wanted a bit more of pushback. And I understand the Canucks didn't have anywhere near what they're going to have on opening night, but they did have some of them. And and some of those guys I thought looked very, very bad. And I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to get into individual performances, but I'm just saying like, you can't just excuse it and say, oh, it's preseason and the Flames had a better lineup. Yeah. Sorry, you had guys who you want to be in the NHL this year play that poorly in front of whoever was in net. It was Sotchenko and then Silov, or Silov's then Sotchenko. So I don't know. It's not a huge story, but it's not one that you can just brush away and say, ah, oh, whatever. It's 10 nothing. Yeah, good quote there. Nice poll there. And um, right before his press conference uh, mentioned to Murph, uh, this is Rick Toggett saying, I feel like Sean Payton because we did see a 70-20 to 20 loss uh, at the hands of the Miami Dolphins yesterday as well. So, uh, l- listen, it's, it's just a tough look. Like, I think it's it's very demoralizing for the players when they're out there on the ice and the crowd is chanting, we want 10. That is a horrible feeling, and the fact that they didn't score at least one goal is very tough. At least uh, Jarhead here in the chat said, at least they put up a goal in his game. They lost 10-1 to 1 in their beer league opener and set the tone. That's the thing. You're missing all of your stars in, and I think it's going to look a lot different uh, moving forward here. And I bet Rick Tockett, if he was thinking of sending another young roster for their game on Wednesday, I'm going to guess he's going to add a couple more veterans into the lineup so they don't get embarrassed like this. But in the end, let's let's talk about a couple things that we did like, as well as one scenario I want to ask you a little bit about. Matt Irwin, we mentioned it. We're the founders of the Matt Irwin fan club. I was there when I was 9 years old watching him uh, play, or 12 years old watching him play for the Nanaimo Clippers. Uh, loved that he stuck out, uh, stuck up. For Niels Huglander, that was great to see. Drops the gloves, ends up, uh, you know, I thought he played a pretty solid game for what you're going to expect from him. And, and that's a tough ask, right? Because the team's getting absolutely caved in. Uh, even though the shots were tied. Did you see that? Like 26-26 were the shots in the game, which was just wild to me. Um, so your boy Shelov's over there. You might want to check on your boy there, Quads. Uh, but Matt Irwin, I liked him throughout the game. I think the best player for the Canucks, and everybody felt like they were in agreement here on this. Like Atu Ratu had some pretty good puck skills throughout the game, I thought. 
Yeah, and that board battle. It was the board battle heard around the world, it felt like, <laughs> right? Like when he, uh, you know, he was cross-checked from behind. And keep in mind, he was up against Noah Hannafin. Like that's an, that's what I mean, is that's an NHL caliber defenseman. So that looks really good for Ratu Ratu. On the other side, and I don't mean to go to the negatives immediately, but I'm just saying that these guys that you're saying, yes, they can play in the NHL, flubbing the puck, making incorrect plays in their own end against AHL players, not NHL players, that doesn't look good on them. Alternatively, Atu Ratu going against NHL players looked great. That was that was a really, really positive night for Atu Ratu, I'd say. And that's the thing, Chris, is when we look at preseason games like this, we're trying to find the things to take away. And that was a major one for me was I, like last year, we watched Ratu all through the AHL playoffs. That dude couldn't skate like that. That's what it came down to. He really, really couldn't skate the way he was last night. And I think it was Dollywall that reported that he got a skating coach this offseason. And hey, he looks like a totally different player just by adding that kind of extra step to his game. He's like the agility that he showed on that board battle where not only did he win the puck back and not give up on a play, which is great. He's got heart. But then to then get up and kind of stick handle through a phone booth and find his way back to the slot. I think that was the thing I was most impressed about because he showed some edge work that we just hadn't seen before. I was I was very impressed by Atu Ratu last night, in particular his skating. And Aaron, can we get the lineup up here, the one that uh, I threw into the work tape, of just the, the way that they actually positioned the lineup for the Vancouver Canucks? I, I wanted to ask about the defensemen because let's go through the names here. Akito Hirose, Noah Juleson, Matt Irwin, Cole McWard, Jack Rathbone, Jet Wu. Quads, what do all of six of these defensemen have in common? They are vying for a role in the third pairing or the seventh-eighth defenseman for the Vancouver Canucks on opening night. The two guys that you could throw into this group as well, uh, Christian Willanen and Guillaume Breesbaugh, I feel like those are like the eight guys fighting for those three spots. And I'm talking about the left-shot guy on the third pairing as well as the seven-eight defenseman that you're going to carry when you head on the road or at home or whatever you are, just the extra two defensemen. Did anyone here make a case for themselves in a positive way, or was it... Kind of all negatives. Like, man, I, I thought Noah Juleson had a very rough game. That one turnover right in front of Archer Shilovs was a tough one. I thought Rathbone had a couple times where offensively he looked all right, but, you know, on his half of the ice, it didn't look great for him. And I thought Jet Wu had a tough night from basically the opening minute when he tipped in that uh, that puck off of his skate into his own net and then takes an interference penalty right after that. It felt like there was a lot of negatives for the guys in this game. And listen, there, this was a huge uphill battle for them to, to go through, but... Out of all of them, I, I think the guys who made the best case for themselves winning a job were Christian Willanen and Guillaume Brisebois, and they weren't in the lineup. They didn't have to face that tough, uh, that tough roster. So I'm curious to see. And do, do you get any read off of Willanen and Brisebois not being used here? Because to me, they they feel like the front runners for kind of that third pairing role as well as the seven eight spots. I think it might suggest they have the inside track a little mm. bit, right? Like I think so. I think this game taught you a lot. I think the only guys who were really are staying in this conversation is or are Hirose and Irwin, I'd say, are the only guys that are still in that conversation based on their performance last night. And then maybe Noah Juleson as well, but that's more so based on the Canucks' lack of guys who can play with Quinn Hughes. And mm. look, we saw Noah Juleson there on the first day of camp. I, I wrote this last night. I really don't think Noah Juleson's a viable option over an 82-game stretch. Like, that's the thing is having a guy who can come up and play five or 10 games while your regular guy is hurt is fine. Like that, that's good depth, mm -hmm. but you don't want to build your team around. Yes. Okay. Noah Juleson could play first pairing minutes in the NHL for a full season. Cause I, I don't think he can flat out. I, I don't think that's the thing that we're going to see this year. Um, like that goal you talked about where he gave up the puck, like that was with an AHL pressuring him. Like that was not 
because, oh, well, the, the Flames' top line and everybody was out. That was with an AHL line pressuring him. And I'm just, again, I'm not, I don't want to pick on individual guys because this is making, I feel like we're making a mountain out of a molehill, molehill here. Like, none of this really matters. I'm just saying, in terms of individual performances, I think Akito Hirose and Matt Irwin are really the only guys that should be in the running for that 7 8 job. Right. Um, I think we can move on, right? Like, we're not going to spend too much more time on this. I, uh, there was a comment I did want to get to. Spark said, uh, if you think anyone outside Suter, Irwin, and Joshua are NHL ready, I don't know what to say. That's interesting because I think one guy that we do want to bring up was Vasily Podkolzin. It also wasn't a great game for him, even though I know you don't want to dive into uh, individual games. I-, I thought that when you're watching Podkolzin and you're watching Niels Huglander, like I think Huglander made more of an impact. It was nice to see him. You know, I-, I thought it was a little bit of a dirty hit. But kind of going in there on Gilbert there when he injured him, but uh, he was kind of getting him back for the big hit that he threw on him earlier in the game, and it wasn't penalized in the end, even though I guess it could have because they were heading into the board and could have been an interference call or whatever it may be. I thought Huglander at least had the thing that Rick Tockett wants from a player, specifically a guy who's probably going to, you know, might have to vie for a job in the bottom six or even like the way we've seen Huglander skating on the top line. I don't know. I think, I, I think Tockett took some positives away from Huglander's play compared to probably what you saw from Vasily Podkolzin, where it just looked like, you know, kind of just like a step out of place for Vasily Podkolzin throughout the game, and I didn't think the effort level was even close to what we saw from Huglander in it. Was he gripping the stick too tight, Chris? Because that's what we talked about a lot last year, was gripping the stick too tight. And honestly, I think he's just... Like, does it not look like Vasily Podkolzin's just thinking too hard? Like, yeah. he's he's trying so hard not to make a mistake, and... Like he's got to let it hang. That's what that's what Tockett said. But I also wonder if all this pressure is just kind of too much for Vasily Podkolzin, where you're just seeing a guy who looks confused, right? Like he he didn't look like you said he didn't look like an NHLer out there, or that was a commenter that said that. But he didn't really look like an NHL player. And I think for a guy who was taken tenth overall, you want to see that. It's it's still it's it's still a long preseason. Well, it's not, but there's six games total, and that was one of them. We're going to see more from Vasily Podkolzin, and I, I just, I really hope he gets his confidence back and he kind of is able to step into a spot where he's a little more comfortable because he just looked uncomfortable last night. I think is the best way to put it. I said confused. Yeah. I think he just looked uncomfortable. Yeah, and you know, remember when we we spoke to him in Victoria and something that he brought up was like just not being so down on himself and it's just like, yeah, he's just got to go out and play, right? Like we know that there's enough skill there. He's not going to be a guy who's going to score 70 to 100 points for you, but... There is enough skill there where he can be dangerous in the offensive zone, but I think the thing you want with Pod Colson is for him to just be such a strong player in your neutral and defensive zone because you know that he has those traits in his game. Like, man, we we remember watching him at the World Juniors for Russia or watching him in the KHL in that playoff run. Like, there were a lot of things to really like from a silly Pod Colson. It just seems like he's got to be able to just like he, he almost needs a moment this preseason where the light just flips and he's got that confidence back. And I, I think that's a difficult thing to ask, right? It's not something that you can just go into a game and like, well, you know what? Today I've got my confidence. Like today I'm doing it. Today's the day I change everything. You can have that mentality going into it and, and pod Colson should, but it's not necessarily going to happen for sure. It's something that's a little bit difficult to kind of, just force upon yourself. It's almost like you need to earn it a little bit. So yeah, he's got to do something a little bit different with this game uh, to, to be able to develop that confidence back. And man, that's the thing like, man, you watch him in the world juniors and it's like the confidence that he had was unreal. Watch him in the KHL playoffs right before he came over here. The confidence that he had himself was, it, it was, you know, 
glowing off of him. Like it was, it's something that we know can be there. I think that's the most frustrating part is he just hasn't been able to figure it out at the NHL level. And I think back to like his first NHL goal, just seeing like felt like there was such a weight lifted off him when he scored that goal. He's screaming when he scores it. And it's like, that's the pod Colson you want to see. But after everything that went on last year, and, and honestly in the couple of years he's been in the NHL, it's going to be difficult to get that back. It is going to be difficult. I just think it's going to take like, you know, I, I I know people don't like when I talk about like fighting and stuff, but like, is it going to take like Podsy just letting her hang and fighting someone or throwing this huge hit or scoring this wicked goal? Like, I think it's going to take a moment. It's not going to be able to be something you can just draw up within yourself. It's going to take a moment, I think, for Pod Colson to get his confidence back. Yeah, I just, I don't know. Like, I don't, I, I personally, I disagree, actually. I don't think it's going to be one thing. Um, hmm. I like what Quran said in the chat here. Who you met in Victoria. No, it actually uh, was a different, said... different Quran. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, because this Quran. Yeah, okay, okay, yeah. Okay. Um, He said, coaches have not let pods do what he does best. Forcing him to work on his mistakes makes a young guy lose all confidence hmm. and play anxious. It feels like talk is trying to change that, he adds. So, Interesting take, I'd say. Um, I don't think there's one silver bullet or correct answer for what's going to fix Vasily Bodkols. And I just think that right now, I'm not, I'm not ready to give up on him. But to say you're not worried about a guy who was drafted in the top ten again coming into a season, and you know, like the expectations are high for Bodkols, and right, like I don't think anybody wants to see him back on waivers and or not on waivers excuse me back in Abbotsford for a full season like we want to see this guy in the NHL right and he was given that chance with JT Miller I'd like to see him stick there like I I'd, I would really like it if he could figure it out and be there but hey I'm also not calling for the guy to get handed NHL ice time right yeah. like you have to earn it right that's not what I'm calling for I just hope he goes out and earns it we're big silly pod Colson fans in this podcast yeah I felt like the roster had a lot of guys on it that you know, the, we talked about the defense core being bubble guys. It, it feels like Pod Colson was given a chance, and especially at the start of training camp, and then in that game couldn't really follow it up. But like you said, we're not going to really talk about this game anymore. It was just a tough one to really make some evaluations here. Uh, even though I know you you love a good goaltender with a 600 save percentage like uh, Shilov's had last night. So you're you're banking on it basically AHL goaltender of the year season uh, from Shilov's after his performance yesterday. Which, listen, I'm getting, I'm working on the name here. Shilov's. You see, I've done it every time. You haven't said it. You're going back to the old Shilov's name. No, I'm not. Yeah, I, I heard have, you. I have not once accidentally said it incorrectly. It's oh. Shilovs. We knew that. Charlie Aaron, run Lurky, the tape. Who told us years Aaron, ago. go back in the tape. 20 minutes ago, he said Shilovs. Um, I did not. All right. I did not. Wrap it up here with some uh, some tidbits from training camp. Quads, how was your overall experience on the island? Great. It was it was a good time. It was a good time. Uh, got some good restaurants. Had a had a good uh, good time. There was two nights in a row actually. Where so the first night. My girlfriend and I went for dinner with the Sportsnet crew with Murph, Shorty, right? And uh, all of the Canucks were there too. So we all went and we, we went to Cacks Club, I'll tell you. And it was very funny because then the Canucks team staff showed up and basically everybody was at Cactus Club. And it was very funny that none of us branched out and tried a place that we didn't have at home. Everybody just defaulted to Cactus Club for the first night. So that was a lot of fun. And then the next night I went to this place. Have you heard of it? Bard and the Banker. It was, it was awesome. Bard and Banker. It's called. It was. It was really cool. It was mm. a really, really interesting place. It was in an old bank, so you could look around. And anyways, I, I found it really cool. What was I supposed to be talking about? Oh yeah, tidbits Victoria. from training camp. Okay. Yeah. Um, the backup job seems to be Casey DeSmith's. I'll start there. We'll start in the crease. Um, 
I'm curious how how much he changes his game because I wonder if it's another Yarrow Halak uh, situation where he comes to Vancouver and he's trying to change his game, trying to do the Ian Clark style, and it's just not working uh, for him. So, and hey, like Braden Holtby, same sort of thing, right? Where it's you maybe you can't teach an old dog a ton of new tricks. So I'm curious how the situation kind of plays itself out this year. I do think DeSmith kind of has that NHL backup job. I'm curious. I still think they're going to trade a guy like Spencer Martin. I, I don't think they want to have Spencer Martin in the system at this point. And hey, we like Spencer Martin, so we don't want that to happen. But just with how T- Tolapilo was used, you know, he gets the scrimmage mm. with Shilov's. And then you see DeSmith and Demko as well. Like I, I think I think this organization would really, really like to have a tandem of Tolapilo and Shilov splitting starts in the AHL this year. And from what I heard, that might be the most fun duo, goaltending duo in the league. And I'm talking NHL and AHL because Tolapilo, apparently he's, he's not super confident in his English, but behind the scenes from what I've heard, he is a very funny guy. So him and Seelovs, we've already dealt with Artie Party enough ourselves, uh, and we, we love the, the personality there. So I'll love it if that's the goaltending duo out there in Abbotsford when I'm making my trips out there. Um, yeah, you know what I, I did want to bring out? You you never went out with – you didn't go out to dinner or anything with me the whole time in Victoria Quads. You, st- you, you were away from me the whole time. You're off in your own world, following around the Canucks, probably snapping a bunch of photos as you normally do. You uh, you didn't go out with me once the whole time. I just wanted to get that out for everybody listening to the show. You didn't want to come out. This is the photo. Oh, and there's the photo, and there's the photo. Thank yeah. you, Aaron. And this is where you left me right after the rink. That's what I'm saying. This is the only time I saw you outside of the rink was when we took a selfie, and then you're like, all right, well, I'll catch you tomorrow morning. Didn't Never wanted to go hope, out with me. Hope you can find the bus home. Yeah, pretty much. No, I will say you did drive me back to uh, my friend's place that I was staying at. To but and you, from every You missed out day. big. I got to give a shout-out, though. Not Quran here in the chat, but a different Quran came up, and I got to tell the story because we're sitting on like a, one of the patios that are kind of on the street, and it's all the all the Sportsnet guys are there, uh, the athletic guys, uh, Rob uh, Rob Williams is there as well, and a couple of other folks. So they're all like, they're all excited, and they're like, oh, like you know, Dan Murphy's there, like a huge name in sports, and this this guy, this listener of the show, Quran, he listens to every show. He says, I've been ta- chatting with him in the DMs now. He's looking around, and then he didn't notice me for a second. When he noticed me, he goes, Faber! And he goes nuts, freaking out. I'm sitting right beside Dan Murphy and uh, Karan, who's a regular listener of the show. It was incredible. I was so pumped that uh, at it, and all the, the other media guys were laughing quite a bit. The fact that, like, you know, when you when you walk by on the street and you see Dan Murphy, that's the guy you, like, go nuts for. Uh, it was just, it was really funny. But I was like, regular listeners, man, we got the best listeners uh, for Canucks Comedy there. And Burt Cam, he's, he is out like a light uh, right now. So uh, good for little Bert there, and the yeah, I gotta say, the, I tried to take the guys out for karaoke after what we did in, in Penticton. Everybody wanted to go to karaoke, all the Sportsnet guys, and I'm like, okay, I'll find us a spot. So I find this spot, and it's the only karaoke night I could find on a I think it was Friday night or maybe Thursday night, and I'm like, okay, I'll meet everyone there. I'll meet everyone there. So I get a text from uh, Josh Elliott Wolf, who's a producer and, and fill-in host as well on Sportsnet 650. He texts me. He was there early. He said, this place looks like a 1970s basement that hasn't been renovated. And I'm like, Josh, you, you know, you suit wearing, you know, preppy kid. He's, he's got really high standards or whatever. <laughs> and I'm like, he's just, he doesn't get it. Like, he doesn't get what a dive bar is. I walk into this place. It looked like a Chinese food restaurant from, like, the early 2000s that basically you just took the buffet out. And it was just like the tables were left in that. And I was like, it was the worst karaoke night ever. I had one beer. I had a lucky because I was on the island. Uh, and we got out of there so quick. 
Um, it was a very unfortunate night. I wanted to, to give, you know, and, and I, t- I was telling everyone, I'm like, I got a spot. I got a spot. The Google reviews, it's like 4.6 stars out of 5. So I'm like, okay, I got a spot. We're all good. We're all good. We get to this place. And I've never been in a worse bar in my entire life. It was tough. The only thing they had going in there was pull tabs. So that was, that was fine. But here's the other thing. I throw 20 bucks into the pull tabs. One one dollar win out of the whole pull tabs twenty dollars. So this place was a huge letdown. I'm not even going to say their name on the show here because uh, I don't want to get in trouble for it. But it, a huge flop on the second week of karaoke because we we had such a fun night in Penticton. We wanted to do it again, uh, and we are going to get Frank to karaoke at some point throughout the year. Here we'll get him just a little a little chorus or something. I know he didn't sound like he was very interested in it when he was sitting <laughs> here to drop any bars. Well, that's the thing is you were texting me. It would be like 8.30 and you'd be like, hey, are you coming out? I'm like, no, I'm going to bed. Like I've been going to bed at like 9.30 every night, getting up with the dog at 6. It's it's so nice. No traffic. You go for a walk. There's no people out. That's my favorite. Sun's rising. I've, I've been an early, early bird right now this season. Like until the season starts, I guess, when I have to stay up late. But no, you I've don't, been getting up very early and it's been great. You don't get life on the road quads. You got to work like this is what it was in Nashville. I worked until about midnight and then you go out after that. So that's why I'm texting you at 830 starting to figure out where to go. You got to get all your work done quick and then you can go out. And we had we had some really fun nights. Uh, went out with uh, with Drance and, and J-Pat a couple nights and, and had some good times. It was really fun down in Victoria. People down there, man, they're just the best. Quads, you drove around. You, even the roads were a little confusing. What did we talk about drivers last week on the show? The folks on the island. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, here's a wave. Yeah, thanks for letting me in. All these smiles on the roads, complete opposite than it's been here in Vancouver. It was good to be on the island uh, and everybody that we ran into in the concourse, walking around, seeing people from the, uh, the crowd. Uh, Lauren doing an incredible job. He was he beat all the reporters to the rink every morning. He was getting all the good scoops. So shout out to Lauren. We ran into him as well. Uh, just just awesome, man. I really think they did a, a good job. And, and you laughed about it because um, the Save on Foods Memorial Center, that concourse is wider than the one at Rogers Arena. You, you're shoulder to shoulder at Rogers Arena trying to get from section to section. Uh, you had room and a half down there in the Save on Foods Memorial. Nice little concourse down there. I didn't really realize until you, until you start going to like MLB ballparks mm. and other NHL rinks and vi- various sports places like junior hockey rinks as well. Yeah. You don't realize how small the concourse at Rogers Arena is. because like is growing tight, up tight, in, man. In recent years... I heard people complaining like, oh, it's so, so narrow. Like there's no room. And obviously when you go to Canucks games, there is no room. If there's a lineup of more than like five people, you have to go through the lineup to walk through. Mm. But man, at Save on Foods Memorial Center, yeah, I walked in and I was like, holy cow, like this place is wider than Rogers Arena. So that was really interesting to see. Maybe it was just because there was no people in it, but I'll tell you, I went when there was people as well and it wasn't... uh, wasn't that busy? Like right. it was, it was fine. It's a good spot. The uh, Prince George Cougars are there opening weekend of uh, the WHL season. Your boy Ty Smith heading back to the island. A uh, couple tidbits to get to. Speaking of Ty Smith, Ty Young, uh, Ty Young. Well, what am I talking? Ty Smith. He used to be a good defenseman out of the dub. That's who I'm talking about. Uh, but Ty Young. First, let me see. This is the card that uh, Frank Cervelli pulled. Nice on the on the rich pack here. The uh, the thirty dollar packs. Elias Pettersson card out of there. That's nice. Um, Ty Young. Signs a entry-level contract with the Vancouver Canucks. You get that. I'm all off the place. This whole Ty Smith thing makes me up here. Uh, quads, t- walk me through this. Three-year deal, entry-level contract. Uh, Ty Young. Yes. So, Ty Young to a three-year ELC. Sawyer Minio yesterday, we should also mention. But the thing that I found really interesting about this, Chris, was in the press release, mm. Patrick Alvin talked about Ty Young's size and the plan in place from the goaltending department. 
I thought that was really interesting to hear the GM say that because usually, and I put this in the article that I wrote about it, right. usually the quotes in a press release from the GM are like, we're very happy with this player's development. That's it. And then they just say like, yeah, we're happy with his progress. We're excited to see it continue. But like citing the plan in place, I thought that was really, really cool because I do know, and I've talked about this before, that each prospect in the Canucks goaltending kind of pipeline knows what they need to work on that season and kind of knows what they're going to do this season. They all have different goals and they're all going to go out and try to do them. Last year was very, very good for Ty Young in terms of development. And I had the Prince George broadcaster, a few Prince George residents really mad that I called the team awful because they finished okay in the standings and won a playoff round. So I deleted the tweet and then I had a few people, I'm not going to name names, a few people reached out. They're like, no, They were horrible defensively, which is what I was saying. They were an awful, awful team defensively. They squeaked into the WHL playoffs and won a round or whatever. They came fourth. Don't don't try and send me their place in the standings, okay? I don't watch every WHL game. I was told they're very, very bad defensively. I've watched like two games last year, and they were bad defensively in those games. That was the point I was trying to make. Um, And for Ty Young, it was a really, really solid season uh, development-wise because – you pointed out at camp, you said, oh, wow, Ty Young's movement looks really good. I nearly fell out of my chair hearing that because a year that. ago in 2022, you did. You said his move, And his movement is good. Like, I'm not trying to make fun of you. I'm saying, like, I nearly fell out of my chair hearing that because if you had told me that his movement would look good at training camp 2023 in 2022, when I first saw him play, I would have thought you were nuts. Like, the improvement the kids made in a year is very, very good to see. And I'm excited to see it kind of take another step this year and see kind of what the fruits of the Canucks labor is with the, with the plan that he's got uh, in place for himself here. So I I'm, I'm really curious how the season goes for him. I hope Prince George is better defensively. I hope the Prince George residents don't freak out at me for saying the Panthers aren't good defensively. Mm. Um, Yeah. I pissed off a lot of people with that tweet Um, as well. uh, I know Lisa brought it up. I think you touched on it quickly. Sawyer Minio. Uh, signed his three-year entry-level contract yesterday as well. He's heading back to Seattle. Um, and and a lot more ice time coming his way, right? Like, I think they had three defensemen. And, Lisa, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Three defensemen graduate to pro hockey last year. So you're talking about Minio, who was kind of a, a five-six guy, you know, maybe snuck into the top four at times. Uh, he's now expected to be a top-four guy, if not a top-pairing guy. So uh, the Canucks like Minio, obviously. They liked what they saw at Youngstars. They liked what they saw at training camp. They gave him that ELC. Uh, burns up a contract spot for the Vancouver Canucks moving forward, but they do that because they like the kid. And you'll see the three years of that entry-level contract slide because Minio's heading back for another season in the WHL. And I'm just trying to find it here. Um, when we are going down, you and I were going down, uh, Prince George looks like January 5th, I believe. We're going down. Prince George facing off against Seattle. Um, so that'll be a fun one. First game back for the new year. Um, for Seattle as well, so that'll be cool. January fifth, uh, we're heading down to watch uh, watch Ty Young and Sawyer Minio battle it up. We're gonna have the exclusives for Canucks Army. I got Minio, you got Young. We're road tripping quads. Sounds good. Did you see the Office is getting a reboot? I hate to pull it away from What's hockey. What's going on I here? Love to pull it away from hockey. The Office is getting a reboot. Oh really? Um, yeah. With the everybody, office US is uh, huh? Steve Carell going back or no? No, 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 no. It's not like a oh, no. like. I it sounds like there's going to be a new cast. So oh. I don't. I don't know what I just saw. I, I was looking at the the main screen on my uh, whatever. I got the Roku TV or whatever the TV brand is. It's got all the apps on it and mm-hmm. stuff. I'm loading it up the other day, and the the first thing that pops up is Zoe 102. 
uh, a remake mm-hmm. of a show that might be too. Uh, are you too young for Zoe One Hundred and One Quads? No, no, no. Zoe One Hundred and One was huge for me. You have a big crush on uh, on Zoe back in the day. You, yeah, yeah, I bet. Oh you yeah, did. Um, yeah. So it's that... a movie though. One Hundred and Two is a movie, and I haven't watched it. So but I... Zoe One Hundred and Two is the movie. Yeah, and I might I, watch it. I asked my fiance; she watched it, and she couldn't finish it. So. It was that bad. What? It was that bad. Uh, and it's too bad because I watched uh, How I Met Your Father with uh, Hilary Duff mm-hmm. was the main character of it. I watched a few episodes of that, and I thought it was decent. I didn't think it was great, um, but I thought it was decent. And here's the other thing. I'm watching football last night, and then it flips to one of these CTV Canadian shows. And I mentioned him actually earlier in the show, but John Liu is like the the boss on this uh, Canadian television show of this rant. I don't know what the show is even called. It just came on after football yesterday. And then he just like brought up like a video of like oh it's like my boss John Liu and like they used his name in the in the show as John Liu and he was just in the show and I said he's that's a reporter on Montreal so uh, famous for the suits with shorts which I am going to adopt very soon but I got weird looking legs so I think it's going to be a tough look for me I can't I won't be looking like LeBron James walking around in that thing but I'm going to do it just for the uh, the temperature release that I'll get from the shorts. <laughs> Jeez, so your your outfits were a heavy topic of oh, conversation God. at training camp so now you're going with the suit shorts well i'm just lost you you saw me day one i'm the only guy in a freaking suit i'm overdressed and then second day i'm in the joggers and everybody for some reason decided to dress up more on day is everyone behind my back in a group chat here of canucks media of just like let's make favor look like an idiot and either dress down or dress up on days or am i just i don't know what i'm doing i have no idea what i'm doing with them I promise you there's no secret collective that's trying to make you look bad. I just, I'm not in line with anybody here. The only, yeah, it was a tough, tough one. Uh, Final thing, quick little tidbit today. Um, As we kind of expected, all the junior players who were in attendance for the Vancouver Canucks training camp, we're talking Kirill Kudryatsev, Sawyer Minio, Hunter Brustevich, Ty Young, and Vilmer Ulrichsen. They were all sent back to their junior teams earlier this morning. Uh, I talked to some people down in the Sioux today uh, about Kirill Kudryatsev. They're confident he's their number one guy. He's going to be number one on their power play. He's going to be number one on their penalty kill. And a lot of very high expectations uh, for the Greyhounds this year compared to what they did last year. What I heard is they they're, they had a really bad year last year. They drafted high. They also made a trade to go kind of all in in the OHL. So this is a all-in year for Sue uh, heading into it this year. And Kudryatsev is going to be the the horse on the back end. What do you got there? Aaron's got a photo of, a, of LeBron in the, in the suit shorts here. See, that's what I'm going to try and pull off, but I don't think it's going to look the same, really. I think you might be right. I got more of a barrel body than uh, than LeBron James, not not as much length. I don't think it's. I think it's going to be something that he, I don't want to just buy a, a suits with the shirt. Now, you know what? Now that I see this, LeBron doesn't even look that good in it. Like, and I'm just going to look worse. So maybe I should throw out the whole uh, John. Can you get one of John Lou, Aaron? John Liu looks great in the uh, in the suits with the shorts. I think he looks great. Yeah, Karan said it. Even okay. Braun looks bad in that photo there. Okay, while we wait, um, I don't know if this is what Hell of a Shot's asking in the chat, but mm. it was a good reminder for me. Live show. Uh, not live show, but a live event we are going to be having with Canucks Army oh, yeah. at Greta. Greta is our partner this season for all of our live events. And the first one, we're going to have more information coming soon where you can buy tickets, all that sort of stuff, and what we're going to do. The first live event that we're going to have is going to be at Greta. So everybody knows where Greta is. Um, for the first road game of the season. I won't be there. I will be in Edmonton covering the game. But you will be there. Yes. And we're going to have a uh, we're gonna have a big watch party at Greta. 
So it's going to be a lot of fun to watch the Canucks take on the Oilers in game two of the season. We did one, I think, two years back now that we did um, a live event. And then last year, we just kind of, with everything that went on last year, we kind of just, it kind of slipped our minds. We mm-hmm. didn't really have one put in place. But this year, we're going to have a live event, and it is going to be a lot of fun. Yes. Uh, like I said, it's at Greta, and it is going to be for the first away game of the season when the Canucks take on the Oilers on October what day is that what 13th is I think 14th, 14th 14th Saturday October 14th yeah so we're gonna be we're at Greta a, uh, uh West Cordova Street down there right in Gastown um and, and apparently we've got a lot of people showing up already too the, the folks that uh, I was out there with at the run club they're showing up too uh, and they're excited for it uh so yeah it's gonna be nice I've heard about the uh the duck bow buns you gotta get that you gotta try the duck bow buds you know about that. Uh, but they got arcades and stuff in there, too. And, and that's the thing. Last time I went to one of these arcades, I, I was doing the quarterback thing. I was doing the quarterback drill. I couldn't lift my arm the next day. I had to sw- Never mind. I'm not going to say what I was about to say there. That would have been bad. Um, but, uh, yeah, they got uh, good food there, good drinks. Uh, I'll be there as kind of the MC and host of the night for the first game on the road uh, as they face off against the Edmonton Oilers. I hope to see a lot of people out there. Uh, I'm very happy that we have just, like, not not only just like a spot to do these kind of events, like a bar to to get everyone together, watch a game, and enjoy it, but like an actual like cool one, right? Squads, let's be honest here. We heard about some other spots that they might be doing these events for this coming season. I went and checked one out. <laughs> I am very happy we're not at that one. I'm very happy we're at Greta. Greta is much better than the other spot. Uh, and if our sales guy Jared's listening to this, Jared, that spot you sent me, I tell you, I'm very happy we're not there. I'm very happy we're at Greta. I was sitting in the corner there. I had a fly get I had nonstop. The flies were flying into my beard at this dirty old bar that you sent me to. Uh, Greta's a good one. I'm excited for Greta. I won't say the other one. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yes. Holy. So, I was going to uh, have, Greta, you know, I'm glad I don't have to excited. lie about like really liking this. Like Greta, I like. I'm very happy that we're going to Greta. The other place, oh man, I'm not talking about it. But here's okay. the thing. DM um, Payne brings up a good point. All I can see is the powerful calves in the suit shorts. One the one of the best parts of my bodies is my calves. Just like John Lou, there he is on the YouTube here. He's looking great. John Lou, suits and shorts. He's got some good facial hair now too, right? This is an older photo. Yeah, but and John's a little bit of a shorter guy too. So maybe that, maybe you could be a short, uh, short suit guy. Because no, like, it good. didn't. It looks better on John Lou than it does on LeBron, in my opinion. Yeah, I think pants would look good on him too. No offense to John Lou, Damn, but really? like I ain't wearing, I ain't wearing shorts. No, I tell you, John's got nicer legs than uh, than LeBron, in my opinion. Sure. Okay, let's let's move on. Yeah. Uh, do you have anything else before we wrap it up here? No, long show today. Uh, shout out to Frank for joining us here. We already handled our Betway stuff. Um, tomorrow, special guest joining me in studio. You're uh, taking the day off as you typically do. Take at least four days off a week. Uh, you're not going to be in here tomorrow doing whatever you're up to uh, tomorrow. So uh, I'm riding solo-ish tomorrow, which uh, I'm excited about. All right, we'll wrap it up there. I'm pulling up the Burt cam before Burt I close it out. We'll wrap it up there for my oh. co-host, Chris Faber, and our technical producer, Aaron Bernardo. Our Frank. thanks again to Frank Saravalli for joining the show. And thank you to you, the listener and the viewer, for joining us for another episode of the Canucks Conversation. Woo! Thanks for listening to Canucks Conversation. Hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. How about keep it to a thank you, Jim? Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. 
That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.